it just started to dawn on me a bit more that this is just not going to be a sustainable pathway for me going forward. Today's conversation is with Oliver Casey. Ollie played tennis at the college level before pursuing the professional circuit for a few years. We talk about his journey, the college lifestyle, and the professional tennis circuit. So uh, thanks for uh, jumping on, Ollie. Uh, taking no your, what is it, Tuesday? Tuesday night out for Tuesday us? Tuesday night. Yeah, no worries, man. Anytime. What, what, uh, what music have you been listening to lately? What's been uh, ticking over? Oh, geez. Well, it's been, you know, like working from home and everything and like uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty nonstop with the masters nowadays too. So I, I actually, like I'm going to be straight up with you. I'll like, I'll throw on something like classical while I'm, while I'm working from time to time. Like? Give me you an know? example. Oh, you know, a bit of, a bit of Thomas Newman. I don't know who that is, but yeah. <laughs> nah, man, look up Thomas Newman. Nah, nice, nice relaxing tunes. Really puts you in the zone to, to sit down and get some proper work done. But um, it's nothing like, nothing like college where it's just all hip hop and rap. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a couple of comparisons for you. Um, yeah. See which way you go. So, uh, like Peggy Gow versus like Nina Kravitz. Oh, Nina Kravitz for sure. I think she's she's a real sesh lord. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about... Uh, He's a real sesh lord. How about uh, Drake versus Rihanna? Oh, <laughs> um, oh that's tough. Um, You're talking music, strictly music. Straight out of college, I would have gone for Riri, but now I'm going to have to give it to Drake because his music has been... Uh, quite the marathon over so many years and he keeps he just keeps he just keeps putting out beats he just keeps backing himself to his credit you know yeah no i think riri lately so does riri but i mean lately i mean maybe not not as much am i wrong there or what do you No, i i I agree i think uh drake puts out hits every time he puts out a song like there's no bad songs yeah like yeah i think the guys the guys just made yeah, yeah. The, the guy's just made for. He's just he's he's the fetter of, of of rap of hip hop, yeah. of mainstream hip hop, I guess. Speaking of uh, fetter, nice segue there, mate. Uh, let's uh, let's actually talk some proper stuff. <laughs> let's, talk, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk some tennis. <laughs> let's talk yeah, about okay. the journey. Um, okay, yeah, so yeah. obviously, uh, you played tennis for an extensive period of time before uh, transitioning out. Um, yep. You want to run us through how you sort of got into the sport and then all the way up through high school? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So um, I guess I first got into it because uh, my dad obviously played played quite a bit. He went through the college pathway, had a, a, a brief crack on tour, but um, I don't think he, he really... Uh, but the biggest thing with people, and it was for me... It was well, one of the reasons for me is well, it's just so hard financially to sustain it over even if even a few months because it's just it's you know you're taking care of all the bills, um, you're mentally and physically exhausted, and it's just it's hard to you know it's quite hard to sustain over an extended period of time. But that's sort of I'll get to that. I've I've got into it because Dad played, and um, it just seemed you know just a fun thing to do, fun sport. Um, 
I, I kind of struggled a bit early on. I kept cracking the shits um, for, for two weeks straight because my cousin had a cool racket and I had one with a chewed up grip and I just wasn't enjoying it. But um, got past that and um, just, I guess, just sort of stuck with it. Um, and uh, didn't really um, sort of get after it until after year 12. Like I took, I'd played t- tournaments up until then, but I was quite um, hesitant to engage in competition. Um, just with, so I guess, just not, just nerves, and I wasn't really putting any proper work in in high school. You know, I was real, real focused on academics and um, and getting good grades and stuff. And um, but after year twelve, I, I took took that year, took twenty eleven to sort of just train all, all the time and, and work to fund the training and and tournament trips and stuff. Um, I definitely learnt a lot and and grew grew a lot both on and off court from that experience. Um, and obviously, like, I, I, I was enjoying it as well um, and got some, yeah, got some good results, got, got to a level where I could get into a Division One college, which is where it ended up um, taking me in the end. In early 2012, I met a guy who had been to App State um, and he, after... Um, I guess speaking with him briefly, we had a couple hits. Mentioned that there's a scholarship opening up on the team, and if I was interested, he could put in a good word for me. The thing is, word of mouth really does go a long way, especially with past players who have been in a program. You know, some coaches just if they trust their players and they put in a good a good word for someone else, that really does uh, go a long way in terms of landing scholarship or getting a spot on the team. How do you uh, how do you compare um, people that go to college versus like the guys that do the VIS AIS type thing? Um, are those guys are those guys you know coming through the ranks and you know have been sort of put on a pedestal and then everyone else has to just grind it out and work a, work out a way to make it happen? Yeah, I, I think for for those that went through the the, the, the feeling I get, at least, for the people who go through the VIS and the AIS and even um, Tennis Australia as well, they've had great results as juniors. You know, those, those um, sort of nationally renowned academies often take, bring in, um, like, you, you know, t- re- like talent, you know, and they try to nurture it their way up until that junior becomes an adult. And then, you know, sometimes funds their their tour expenses if they're good enough to have a crack. You know what I mean? Which usually they are, unless yeah. they're interest waivers. So yeah. Um, but but you're absolutely right. For for most other people, um, going to college is uh, it's obviously not just about tennis. You know what I mean? It's about um, the it's it's about overall just life experience and just being a part of that college pathway that's so um, so deeply rooted into the American system. Well, you know, you because are, that's that's you okay. forgot about saying the degree, mate. <laughs> Where's the degree? Yeah, yeah. yeah for, for definitely forgot that. Uh, forgot about that freshman year. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that that was, definitely uh, for the first year. It's like. Um, you know, you have to do 
of your gen ed subjects, usually in your first year or year and a half. And uh, they're most of them I found pretty like they're, they're not rocket science, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, you sort of get, get those done. It gets a bit more hectic depending on what degree you're doing, obviously, but it got more hectic for me sort of a year and a half in through to the end of the fourth year. Yeah. You're talking about uh, going to App State, so Appalachian State University. Um, when you first get there, what are your thoughts? Um, you're pretty shocked. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. Or, with the culture. It was quite a journey. It was quite a journey getting there in the first place. I, um, I, I got, I've got to, um, the, the flight from Atlanta to Greensboro was the most turbulent flight I've been on in my life. What are you was, doing from getting, Melbourne? It's Melbourne, LA, LA, Atlanta. So Atlanta. I went, yeah, yeah. Well, I went, um, I actually went Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney, uh, Sydney, Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth, and then Dallas to Atlanta, ATO, and then Atlanta to, to Greensboro. So four flights. But the Atlanta to Greensboro flight was, yeah, it was shocking. Stayed the night in Greensboro and then um, caught two grey, Greyhound buses up to Boone, which was, yeah, interesting, interesting experience. But, uh, Got there, got to um, got to App State. Okay, the first thing I noticed was how, uh, like how how different it was because I hadn't been to the East Coast before. I'd only been to the West Coast where my older brother was, and um, it's it's totally different. So rural, and um, it's just it was just countryside, especially in rural North Carolina. Yeah, like Boone's Boone's three and a half thousand feet up in the mountains, so. It's a, it's a country town. The population's 40,000 people. Half of that are college students. So it was definitely a bit of a shock. And everyone sounded different. They had real, you know, real proper country accents. And um, it was just, yeah, first first month, I was just, yeah, like it was just a bit, bit of a shock transitioning to how people were, how the landscape was. You know, and even just driving on the other side of the road, it was just like, yeah, just, just, just a lot to take in, more than I thought. Yeah, and when you uh, so in that first year, um, you don't play a lot. Am I right in mm. saying that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, how's that when you can't? You know what you're there for is to play tennis, um, and you're fitting in from a different country. How's that to fit in um, at the university and the culture with the team? Yeah, the the first year was definitely probably the hardest for that reason. Um, we had, uh, it was just, I was the only Australian there at that point. And um, yeah, obviously couldn't play. I had to do an academic year of residence because I transferred from uni in Melbourne. And um, this was just, it was just important to keep the, the long-term perspective um, clear, you know, that this would all, the weight would pay off and that I would be getting to play games next year. And because I knew in, um, like just because I still um, I actually wasn't allowed to practice for a lot of that year, but I would have hits with guys. I'd line up hits with guys from the team many times a week to obviously keep form and stuff. Um, but uh, the the team was pretty good about keeping. It's it's not like you're not a part of the team, you know. You're still 
still very much involved in the team. Your team was your, you know, teams like your family over there. So they were really good about um, looking after you and making sure you're involved in stuff off court. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, but just, just, re- just recognizing that there's, that there were playing days coming and that, you know, the, the weight and all the training would, would pay off. Yeah, and then, the following year. and then in year two, obviously, you get more involved. Um, you yeah. find yourself uh, doing pretty well. Um, what's a typical week like of a tennis schedule in a college athlete's career? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nonstop. It's, it, like, really sets, sets you up well for everything that happens after, I reckon. But it's, like, basically, um, my fourth year we were up at usually about quarter to five or five we were training by six trained from six to eight a.m class from eight thirty to usually about eight thirty to twelve or eight thirty to twelve thirty um we would we the first two years or the first three years actually um we'd, we'd have training from one to three but instead we'd you know we'd either have another hit then or we just just rest, just sort of rest up a bit. Um, we'd usually have weights or or some other type of conditioning at three thirty. Usually we did that. We did that sort of four or five days a week. Um, and then after that, you got to I guess you got to keep up, keep your GPA as high as it as high as it can be, right? So you'd sort of study till sort of ten, eleven at night, and then hit the hay and be up the next day, do it all again. And what was it like um, doing that back-to-back-to-back weeks during a academic year? It's pretty, yeah, pretty exhausting. You, like, have to, you have to be pretty, um, you really have to make sure you get, get some rest days in, you know, on the weekends. It's, it's critical that you get at least, um, at least one rest day um, just because it was a, a really big days. Got to make sure you get you're given you know your mind enough rest, not just you know to give everything in on court, but also with with academics. It was a real balancing act, but it would be I imagine it would be very similar with most other sports as well. You know, yeah, so, and but it was it was it's very it was very tough, um, especially when you had um, uh, like academic deadlines pressing. It was very very tough, but it's again it's just. Like it just, it sort of makes most other things after leaving college kind of uh, manageable in comparison. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so most Australians that like aren't familiar with the college culture or what college sports is like in America, just look at movies and think yeah. that's what it is. And it's just a fun time. So they just think it's just a fun time. Um, yeah. You know, while you're doing all this, there's obviously a bunch of distractions. Um, how do you balance that yeah. out? Or how do you cope uh, with that? Yeah. Um, again, like, I guess, you know, that's, that's obviously part of, the, part of the college system. You know what I mean? There's always going to be, uh, there's always those distractions, you know. It's like, you know, American, young American adults, all, you know, college they just want to you know party when the time's right or when it's not right as well i guess but um you it, it, it was it was a lot of fun to do that with uh my friends and especially guys from the team 
think times like that, obviously you have to do it responsibly um, and just sort of make sure no one gets hurt and stuff. But it's, it's a great, I found it was a great way to bring, bring the team together and increase the off-court bond, which most certainly translated to um, even on-court as well. You know, if you have a stronger bond with your teammates, you probably feel more comfortable out there competing. Um, but it's, you know, you, you obviously have to know what time is, a, is good and appropriate to enjoy yourself. But then, you know, if you've got matches coming up um, and if you've got, you know, academic deadlines pressing, then you just got to see the bigger picture there and realise that your teammates are counting on you to, to deliver. Because um, your, your match can be the difference between the whole team's win or loss. You know, I, I never thought about college tennis as an individual sport because everyone's points all, all added up to the win or loss. So it's just, I think the biggest thing for me at least was making sure, like, like just knowing that your teammates were, were counting on you to, to deliver as best you could. I always found that pretty, pretty motivating. And what's the consequences of like doing the wrong thing? If you saw the wrong thing, someone did the wrong thing, whatever. Um, yeah. Is your scully on the line? Um, well, if you sort of did the wrong thing repetitively, then absolutely. But well, we were lucky enough to, well, once, um, once I sort of moved, well, once you move into your third year on our team, at least you move into a position of, uh, authority and leadership, you know what I mean? So um, me and um, my roommate, Zach, we just, we tried to instill a culture that just was just, you know, in ensuring that it's okay to have fun, but, you know, everyone is counting on each other and um, you have to do what's responsible and you have to look after yourself as, as well as having a good time. Um, well, again, where it's, where, where it's okay to do so. Um, but there's certainly consequences for for not caring. We had a couple of guys who um, were kicked off the team early on. We had a couple couple guys who voluntarily quit for for a couple different reasons. Um, and it's it's just yeah, it's the, the the good thing about our team was that there was a really good sort of code of ethics. You know, and those who weren't up to it just didn't just didn't make it through. So there was probably like, I reckon from since I since I started there, there were probably I reckon about probably about six people who who sort of left the team, or maybe even seven or eight people that left the team. So it's probably probably almost a third don't make it make it through. Yeah, but then you got new people coming in each year as well. So what's it like? being a college student, um, having a scully, but still having to, you know, find little bits and pieces of your life. Um, what's that? Is it a stretch where you don't have time to actually work while you're at school or, um, you know, at yeah. college? Yeah. Well, you just had to, you had to be very smart with your spending and you had to, you just have to embrace the the dig diet, you know, like just, just really being, um, like not overspending on meals, just really trying to limit the amount you spend on food out during the week. Um, because it, if, you, if you're not careful with that, you, you lose your savings very, very quickly. Um, so it was just, yeah, just important to, 
to have a plan. I think I, I found I responded well to like um, just knowing what I was going to eat when and like how much money that was going to cost. And I just found that was, that was the best, that, that was a way to do it most efficiently. Because yep. if, if there were times when I didn't and I just, just burned through money. There's one time my freshman year, I was, uh, I was really strapped for coin and I burned through my um, meal allowance, which was, I think it was like maybe $1,500. I burned through that by like mid-October, which was not good. Um, and I, I had, uh, I had lentils like every, every day for almost three weeks at one point. Cause I just needed to need to try to save a bit of money, but yeah, I yeah. haven't really had them since. So eh? that, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that story is actually all too familiar here. Dudes like, you know, struggling for cash, um, just mm-hmm. sleeping on people's couches or whatever, if they can't afford their rent or their scully doesn't um, include their place. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think, like a familiar sort of story that everyone it's, has. Yeah, talk. it's certainly the case. It's certainly the case for a lot of, um, for a lot of student athletes, I think. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's the bare, just the essentials. Just whatever keeps you full, that's what you eat. And, you know, you don't count calories or you don't, you know, you don't worry about carbs, fats, or protein, or I didn't at least anyway. You just sort of, just sort of have the essentials and whatever fills you up, just make sure that's, you know, accessible and cost-effective. Yeah, and then um, obviously moving on, so freshman year, sophomore year, you're sort of adjusting, you get to your junior, senior year, um, and you start to sort of take things a little bit more seriously, I guess, you know, um, get some leadership behind you or have a leadership position. How do you yep. and the team go? And then when do you start thinking that, you know, you're going to give the pros a crack? Yeah. So, you, yeah, like I said before, when you get to your junior year, you start to, you, you find, especially because there's, there's new freshmen coming in every year. Usually we'd have sort of two, at least two freshmen coming in every year. So naturally they, they look to you for, um, for leadership and guidance. Through the, especially through the early days. Um, and our team, I reckon when I got there, it wasn't, I, I don't think it was good, but there were things very, very wrong with the, the way um, that it was being managed and the way that uh, the freshmen were being treated by some of the older people. It was definitely not, it was very backward and not, not acceptable. And that's let's, why I said uh, before, like... Let's uh, pause there. Yeah. Rewind back a little when you talk about not being treated. We never even touched on uh, like hazing the freshmen. Uh, yeah, 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 that yeah, a right, little, right. Man? yeah, right. Yeah, it's very real, I found. It's very, very real. And a lot of, a lot of college students would agree with me that it's, it's, it is real. Like it's, everyone says no to hazing, but um, it is, the, the truth is it is real, I found. Um, and sort of had a, yeah, you know, you just sort of have a, had a, or I did, I had a couple of experiences where it was just, you know, things where when you have young adults and a lot of alcohol around and you sort of don't have, sometimes you don't have control over what's being fed to you and you just, you just want to like, you know, fit in so you have it anyway. And, you know, before you know it, you just sort of wake up in bed and think what the, what the hell happened. So it's just like, and it's not, I found it's not really a great feeling, you know. So 
that's why moving into a leadership position, we were like, look, we're not going to put our guys through that. That's not a good time. And it's certainly not, doesn't sit well with both of us. So fast forward, obviously you graduate, um, you know, you get your piece of paper as well. Yeah. Um, and then you transition into uh, the pros. All I wanted to do was, um, was have a crack and play, try to play as a professional. I mean, it's all I, all I wanted to do for so long. Yeah, yeah, and I talk just, about I talk about um, you know actually having to be a self-funded athlete. Um, yeah, and how that is you know super stressful. Yeah, um, you know just having to make ends meet and perform at an elite. Yeah, level. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got home and um, gave uh, Kuyong Tennis Club a call and managed to line up some coaching hours because. Um, I didn't really know any better at the time, and it seemed like a seemed like a good idea, which it was. It was it was it was great. I got got quite a lot of coaching hours, but um, the thing is, it's you, you you're absolutely right when you say it's it's stressful having to self fund um, a crack at the tour because it is. It, it costs a lot to be on the road all the time, um, but it's also very hard for the people you work for, particularly if it's coaching, because you've obviously got private lessons to teach. You've got squads you need to be at. And if, um, if you're not there and you've got to cancel lessons, then, um, then the boss loses money. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard that they were very good about being flexible with me. Um, up to a point, I guess. Um, but yeah, coached for about, I reckon got got back to Melbourne coach for about eight, nine months, saved up enough to uh, go overseas. Um, spent a little bit of time in the Middle East, playing a couple tournaments there. Um, went to Europe after that to play a few of their clay the the clay court season there, which is quite quite big throughout May to August. A lot of the people. Australian players who are trying to have a crack fly over to Europe because that's when all the clay court tournaments are that time of year. Um, and geez, that's that's when it hit me very hard um, when I was actually over there. And um, you sort of realise, I realised at a point that um, there's so many good players um, who were on the exact same page and unless you're um, super, super talented and you have a bit of funding behind you, it's very, very hard to, to make a proper a crack through to, to the top 100, which is for a people, very... For people that yeah, aren't yeah. familiar with um, like tennis and how it works and they yeah. just watch like the Grand Slams and, you know, whatever tournaments yeah. around, so in Melbourne, whatever, the Kuyong Classic or whatever, what are the rankings, sorry, what are the levels of tournaments um, and what, what are these types of tournaments you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 good point. So, so all these tournaments I were playing were, were part of the ITF Futures Circuit, which is, the Futures is like a, it's like a semi-professional circuit for um, young, it's, I mean, it's for people of all ages, but generally you get um, young, young players or young adults trying to get their first um, ATP points, which is, um, again, 
very difficult to do because there's so many great players at that level. Um, but that's the, the futures level is considered like that's just the very beginning of, of the professional game. You know, once, once you sort of make, start making some good runs in futures tournaments, you get enough ATP points, or if you get enough ATP points, you can get into um, challenger events, um, which are sort of the next level up. You start to get players who uh, you might get one or two from the top 200, sometimes top 100, but then it's all sort of players from 250 to up to, you know, 1,200 in the world who are all, you know, really most of them, I think is, would be struggling to make ends meet. Uh, you're not really making uh, good money, sustainable money, unless you're you're really top hundred in the world. And to be at that level, you let's say you make some good runs in challenges, then you go to um, like ATP events. There's like ATP 250, 500, and 1,000. And once you're in that once you're in that loop, that sort of loop of three tournaments. And you make even one, maybe two good runs in that. You can start um, start gaining a bit of momentum, maybe sort of hovering around the hundred mark. Um, sort of start to play qualies of Grand Slams. There's obviously four of those each year, which are um, biggest tournaments in the world. Um, and I mean, that's where the Grand Slams are. Like you know, that's where like it's, it sets up a lot of players for the entire year if they can win around in the Grand Slam. So when, when do you decide to pull the pin then um, and transition out? Um, well, when I got back from uh, when I got back from Europe, um, it started to dawn on me that um, I considered myself to have really high work ethic, and I, I literally gave it everything I could have, literally everything I could have. But I'm just just not a very talented tennis player, you know. Just like it just dawned on me eventually, you know what I mean. I'm very thankful that I could play it at a quite a high level, um, but certainly I'm just just not talented enough or skilled enough to be at, at a level where you make a substantial income, you know, or even a sustainable income. Yeah, you know, um, and I got back from Europe. It started to dawn on me then. Coached a bit more. Played. Um, Played two more futures, one in Brisbane, the other in Toowoomba in late 2018. Uh, and like I, like I said, I, I was hitting, hitting a lot of balls every week, even if it was just coaching. Um, I was in pretty good shape. Um, made some good runs, but my like body was destroyed, mentally very exhausted as well. And um, it just started to dawn on me a bit more that, you know, um, this is just not going to be a sustainable pathway for me going forward. And I think there's, on, on top of all that, um, the, the travel component, trying to fund everything yourself, um, it's just a very, I found a, a pretty stressful way to go about your life, you know. And um, just, I just, I knew that there were um, other interests I had that I could explore and, um, yeah, I just I, I take a lot of comfort in knowing that I gave I gave it absolutely everything I had. I squeezed the orange until there was no no juice anymore. I so do you have, a, 
do you have any regrets? Like if you could have done something differently along oh, the way? Um, nah, not really, man. No, I don't have any regrets. I just, I'd have, I've, I like followed my instincts and um, felt like I made the right decision over, you know, I've, I've made the correct decisions along the way. I have thought from time to time about whether um, what would have happened if I'd stayed here instead of gone to college. But um, I think college really pushed, pushed my body and mind to the absolute limit, not just with all the athletic stuff, but also, also with um, the academic stuff as well. You know, it's really set a good tone for everything else going forward. Yeah, and I and think then, I'd, I'd much rather be in the position I'm in now than I than I would, you know. I'd much rather be in the position I'm in now than to be in a position of still trying to have a crack on tour. And I like I understand for someone in my position that it's not. It's just not really a sustainable sustainable pathway. Yeah, and um, obviously you've successfully sort of transitioned out. How was that? Yeah. Um, jumping into post grad studies and then securing a uh, a decent job yeah 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 it's been it's been uh been awesome uh it's definitely took again took me a little while to adjust to the i guess the office lifestyle um you know the hours aren't that the people i work with are great about making sure you maintain that work-life balance and i find that come the end of a nine to five day i'm really sort of itching to get some sort of physical activity in. So um, after a couple of months, I f- feel like I uh, got the routine down and um, post, post-grad study has been good. But again, balancing that with um, full-time work has, has been a challenge as well. But, um, you know, so certainly not the biggest challenge I've, I've faced. So it's been manageable as well. So and, what do you... Uh, what do you take away from like you learn from sport from tennis that sort of helped you transition out and then sort of will help you along the way as you sort of build a career in finance? Yeah, I think it's the um, I think the the discipline aspect of it is the biggest of all. You know, because I just um, I really did work so hard for so long and tried to be so good at being a tennis player um, that and and along the way there's just so many more bad times than than good times as a tennis player and that really teaches you to cope with adversity and cope with many setbacks and regardless of how bad they are or how much they hurt you've got to find a way to to get through it and um, and learn from it and I find that that's just like anything in post-grad study or anything in um, work as well. You know, you have, a, you have an assignment or an exam that doesn't go well. Well, that's, that sucks, but you've got to figure out why it went wrong and then adjust your strategy, try to make it better next time. Or if you have a, a presentation of work that doesn't go well, well, Again, there's a way around it. You just have to not take it to heart too much, and and um, yeah, adjust adjust your 
whatever it might be, just try to adjust and, and adapt so that next time it doesn't, it, it's not the same outcome. Yeah. Um, and like moving forward, uh, what are your plans yep. um, in your industry and, and where do you see yourself? Yeah. Um, well, my postgrad studies won't finish until uh, uh, sort of early, mid 2021. So um, I'm, I'm very happy at the moment. Just, you know, I'm a um, budget analyst at the CFA and I'm lucky enough to have a great team around me. I have a lot of really, really nice, but also very smart people who have um, guided me through this transition. Um, and I'd love, I'm very happy there. I, I would love to stay there for, for, you know, the next while, however long that might be. Um, the, my, the postgrad studies I'm doing is a, it's a bit different to, to the work I'm doing, um, where I work. So, um, that'll be sort of interesting going forward once that master's is done, just sort of think about how I can apply that maybe. Um, but in the meantime, man, just keep, keep, you know, meeting people, keep making connections, keep, um, taking on as much work as is manageable and just giving, giving my absolute best, just like in, just like in sport, I guess. Yeah. Um, on, uh, on that note, I think, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, man, pleasure, no uh, pleasure jumping on there, man. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, Sonny.